0: Thank you for joining us today. God is true to his word. He takes care of his children. In all aspects of our lives, we must make godly decisions and trust him for the outcome. The ever-increasing deprivation in our secular society is unrelenting, yet we should not be surprised because God said these things would be. We must stand firm, always making godly decisions no matter what. Listen as Pastor Randor ministers to us with Bible, pen, and paper handy. Good morning. Isn't God good?
1: Amen. First Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. Hear ye the word of the Lord. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is to this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am as a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen." A great people, too numerous to be numbered are counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Once again, we want to continue the theme, Achieving Success Through Godly Decision-Making. If we want to live the victorious, successful Christian life, it is critical that we acknowledge God in all of our decision-making processes. Solomon inherited tremendous responsibility over the people of God, succeeding his father David, who was on the throne, and now he is king over Israel. Millions and millions of people, many decisions would have to be made, and he cries out for wisdom to govern, to manage, and to give leadership over people. And he realized without God, that huge task was impossible. So what must we consider when making decisions that glorify God? Number one, you must make a decision to only pursue God's plan for your life because his plan is the only one he will bless. That's real critical. Not your plan, not people's plan, But God's plan for your life, because his plan for your life is the only one he's obligated to bless. It is only through his plan that you will reach your God-given potential for the glory of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God knows the plan. He had a plan for your life before the foundation of the world was laid before you knew who you were or who you are. God had a plan specifically tailor-made for you. You are not an accident. You have worth. You have value. You have purpose. And God wants to complete that purpose through you. But you have to yield yourself to him And allow him to be Lord of your life and allow him to rule and reign in your life to the glory of God. If you fail to receive and submit to God's plan for your life, you will end up stuck in a rut, living a life of mediocrity. You end up only spinning your wheels and not progressing. You cannot reach your God-given potential for Christ being out of the will of God. And you have Christians who've been in this world 30, 40, 50, 60 years and still confused about what God would have them to do. And Satan loves it when you stay in a spiritual rut and stay at crossroads of life and you can't seem to get it together because of your inability to hear God and to walk in close proximity with him. Number two, if you're going to be a good decision-making to the glory of God, to make progress and not regress, to move forward and not go backwards, to not get stuck, number two, trust God when he leads you into a decision, even if on the surface that decision doesn't make sense. Now, that's a big one, Have have God ever told you to do things that you just didn't understand, but you know God told you to do it without a doubt, and people try to run interference on what God is telling you to do because it don't make sense to them either? And you, girl, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Man, you got to be kidding me. Don't go there. Don't do that. There are always people in your life telling you what you should and shouldn't do. But my friends, God doesn't always make sense. That's right. He does not. Let me, let, let me show you a scripture on that. It's in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And I pray that you meditate on these scriptures in your quiet time. It says, now the Lord had said to Abraham, which indicates he said had said he had been talking to Abram before in previous times. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him and Lot went with him And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75? Adventuring with God at 75 years old, God told him to move. Wow, to move. Romans 4, 20 through 22 says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to god and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness this abraham was some man of faith be mindful that obedience to god brings blessings from god some people say i want my blessing you excuse me you ain't getting no blessing if you're not walking with God and obeying him. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. You can say all that lingo you want. God is not your genie in a bottle. Okay? He is not your genie in a bottle. Praises go up, blessing comes down. Be mindful that obedience to God brings blessings from God. God, you want blessings? Start obeying him today. Look, at the command of God, by faith, Abram, old man Abram, not knowing where he was going, left his family. Now, some of y'all can't do that. You, you're too tied into your family. Your family has, is choking you, choking the life out you got sisters and brothers and siblings. Some of you got parents that's too controlling. You can't leave the hood. Some of you can't leave your previous life comfort zones. Can't leave those experiences. And sometimes for God to get his best out of you, he has to move you. He has to make you uncomfortable for you to venture with it. I'm so glad God moved me to San Antonio, my wife, and I don't know what to do. You know why? Because I believe had I stayed in Houston, I wouldn't be where I am today. I knew so many folk. I mean, I was born in Houston, had friends in Houston, all over Houston, went to college in Houston. When I was in the ministry, I knew all the churches and all the people and the people pulling me this way, that way, that way. I knew too many people, and God knew those people were going to run interference in my life because I was too relational. And God told me to leave the schoolroom, leave the school system, told my wife to leave that law firm told us to draw out our funds and use those funds, draw out our retirement, draw everything out and move with your babies that were in car seats, Randy and Andrea, in car seats and drive that old Buick to San Antonio to little old 200 member church. I'd never been in San Antonio and I was just saying to myself, oh God, can anything good come out of San Antonio? Where am I? But we moved at the beckoning call of God. Saris was not where it was. It was a family of four. The church could only pay us about $1,600 a month, which was about $400 a week. And uh, we had to plant gardens, and every tree had to bear fruit. And you know what? We made it by the glory of Almighty God. But I'm so glad we moved, because if I didn't move, I wouldn't see what I'm seeing now. I wouldn't be as blessed as I'm blessed now. You wouldn't know me. I wouldn't know you. And, uh, I wouldn't be preaching all over the world like I'm preaching. Heaven's going to be a surprising place because when we get there, I believe God could say, now here's all you could have had had you just believed God and walked with me when I didn't make sense to you. Did you hear what I said? So so, so. listen, God doesn't always make sense. Old man Abram moved. He moved from his family. At the command of God, by faith, Abram, not knowing where he was going, left his family who was steeped in idolatry. God wanted him to get away from that idolatrous family. Sometimes God wants to get you away from family members that's on drugs and and alcohol, and he wants to break that vicious cycle in your family. And in order to break that cycle, he has to get you out of there. And some of y'all trying your best to go back home. I don't see where Abram went back home. Some of y- oh, if I could just go back to Louisiana in the good old days, Oh, Mississippi, or Missouri, or wherever you're. Hood was. If you can just give God said, say, you're not going and I'm not going to let you. If you go back there, I'm going to spank you till you get back to where you're supposed to be. <laughs> when you're in vitriol with God, don't try to go back from where God has delivered you from. Delivered you from. He, he, and when you go, you know, I, you know what? Thank you, Holy Ghost. When I go back and I look at those folk now, even in my high school reunion in Cashmere, those folks look so bad. Look, life, life has just beat them all up. I said, "Joe, is that you? Is that you under all of that?" You know, and some folk don't want to go to reunions because they know their lives are in a mess. And and if they go back to the reunion, people say, "Well, how you been doing? Where you work? This, that, that all just tragedy after tragedy." So they don't even go because they don't want people asking them in a high school reunion because they don't want to confront the issue of themselves. I'm so glad. I went back, I think it was a 30th reunion at Cashmere High School. I just stepped outside, and while I was out there, just kind of getting my breath, just kind of having some time. And then one of my old friends came, and he said, Randy, I said, what? He said, man, I am so proud of you. I heard you were preaching now, and you got a thriving church in San Antonio the Lord has blessed you with, and we are so proud of you. But when I look at my life, retrospectively, I'm just beat up. I made bad decisions. And he started talking honestly, tears was running down. He said, but I am so proud of you. God wants to move you. Sometimes it's not out of town. Sometimes it's just cross town. When God says go, you go. Huh? You go, go. About Abram, old man Abram. 75 years old, had no GPS, no map quest. He simply walked with God by faith and wavered not at the promises of God. Observe, because of Abram's obedience, observe the covenant blessings of Abraham. In Genesis 12, 2 through 3, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. See, when you obey God, there are blessings. I will bless you. And make your name great. Now some of you trying to make a name for yourself. Stop trying to make a name for yourself. Only God can lift you up in due season. Y'all need to underline that. God says I will bless you. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth. Shall be blessed. Abraham's Faith in God, Abram's walk with God, and Abram's obedience to God's word brought future blessings to Abraham as well as his posterity. Thirdly, I'd like to say the decisions not only affect your life, the decisions you make are so critical. The decisions I make are so critical, not only affect your life, but the lives of your family and children as well. Your decision don't just affect you, it affect those around you. In Second Samuel chapter 11, verses two through five, it says, it, it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof. There's nothing wrong with rising off the couch to walk on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof, a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. She was a wonderful specimen. Let me tell you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18a says, flee sexual immorality. You cannot always control what comes before your eyes. Now, he got on that roof and started walking around. And then he saw, and after he saw, you know what he should have done? He should have uh, respected her privacy and went back in that palace. You know, you get back in that palace. But you know what he does like some of you do with the cable. You, you, You flip channels and often you stop. And you know you ought to be moving on. And that's what's wrong, you got too many channels. Too many channels get you in trouble. You're paying for all those channels and can't even tithe. You cannot always control what comes before your eyes. However, when you continue to look, he saw, but he kept on seeing. And when he kept on seeing, it led to lust. Therefore, one way to abstain from sinning, if something comes before your eyes and you saw it, but keep going. Don't look back. Don't glance back. As a matter of fact, Lot's wife looked back. And she was turned into what? A pillar of salt. You cannot always control what comes before your eyes. However, when you continue to look, it will lead to lust. Therefore, one way to abstain from yielding to temptation is to flee from it. When he saw that woman bathe, that pretty woman bathing, he should have, oh man, this is too much. I, I, I'm going back in here because I can't take that. I can't take that. Those second looks and those staring and seeing and, and and gazing at things that can get us in trouble, will get us in trouble. Verse 3, And David said and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Look at it. Now underline that, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. In other words, Someone said, isn't she another man's wife? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. I mean, he had sex with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. Uh-oh, here come the drummer. And she sent and told David, I am pregnant. How many men hearing the words, I am pregnant, their hearts melt and mouths drop as if they didn't do anything. Their stress level leaps off the chart. They get angry at the woman for not protecting herself, and they blame anybody but themselves. Bathsheba said, King David, I'm pregnant. Yeah, she was in trouble too because she had a husband. Let me tell you something. Absolutely no one is above the law of God, not even King David. Nobody gets a pass in God's economy. That's right. Pastors aren't exempt. You're not exempt. All of us are commanded to obey God and walk holy before him. 2 Samuel 12, 7 through 9, we'll see how King David didn't get a pass. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Now, you know he's talking to a king. And do you know kings can can cut your head off or have you killed. But the prophet Nathan was willing to put himself at risk obeying God. Let me tell you something. Obeying God can oftentimes get you into a lot of trouble. I can preach myself into trouble. There are people who get mad at me all the way up to today simply because I told them the truth. And you know why they get mad? Because they don't want to change. They don't want to change. So instead of changing, they get mad at the preacher and I'm just, don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. Call up my daddy who gave me the message. You don't slap the mailman because you got a high electric bill. That's right. You go to the source. Why don't y'all say amen? Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, David. And David, I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. David, and if that had been too little for you, I also would have given you much more. Look at God getting on him. I'd have given you much more. All you had to do was ask, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Numbers 32, 23B says, but if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. You may get by, but you won't get away. Once you choose to sin, you have to live with the consequences of the decisions you make in life. You may choose to sin, but you don't get to choose the consequences. God just gave me that. I didn't, that's not even on the paper. You, you can choose any sin you want. You can pick, pick, pick your sin. I hope you don't do it. But if you do, I tell you what you can't choose. You cannot choose your consequences. You don't choose what whipping you're gonna get, how hard that whipping you're go- gonna be, and when you're gonna get that whipping. God chastens those whom he loves. Once you choose to sin, you have to live with the consequences of your decisions in life. Confessing your sins does not remove the consequences. You say, how can you say that? Well, because of 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. Look what it says. Now, therefore, the sword shall never, man, that's tough. Shall never depart from your house. It's gonna be trouble all the days of your life from your family. Because you have despised me, David, and have taken the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be your wife. My friend, let me stop there. God does not play with adultery. That's right. You fooling around, hanky panky around, flirting around, messing around with somebody. That that belongs to another man, another woman. You're going to get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. If David didn't get a pass, what make you think you're going to get by? Why don't y'all say amen? Amen. And have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus said the Lord. And that goes for you who commit premarital sex and you're not married. You're going around here messing around, fooling around. And God is saying, I'm going to get you. And he's using this black, bald-headed preacher to tell you, God's going to get you. I don't see you. Your mama might be gone to be with the Lord. Your daddy gone. You may be off in the military, off in college, or on some work assignment in another state. But God sees you. He sees that pornography. He sees that unholy mess. And he's going to get you if you don't repent and turn around. Verse 11, thus Said the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your own eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel before the sun. What's done in secret will be shouted from the roof you will make the right decision and live the victorious Christian life as you consistently put the voice of God over the competing voices of this world system. Acts 5.29 says, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And let me tell you something. The words of God in this culture does not make sense. That's right. You say, it's what... Why are you doing what you're doing? The Lord told me to do it. What? And the Lord is not politically correct. That's right. The Lord is not secular. He's holy. And you can't get, you can't live the holy life listening to talk shows and and foolishness and politicians who oftentimes lie through their teeth to get there. They tell you up front otherwise, but you find out later on they're lying through their teeth. Politicians will let you down. But I know a God whose word will stand. Heaven heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall stand.
0: We lose when we say we belong to God, yet do not do the things he says. When we surrender our lives, we are saying that we willingly live in total submission to him. Jesus willingly suffered and died for us, thereby paying for our salvation in full. We must stand on the promises of God no matter what the cost, because in the end, we will inherit eternal life free of charge. The price has been paid in full. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.